Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder from the Apple. Let's jump right in. Uh, you really got to wonder, I guess, where this team is headed. Uh, inconsistency has been the name of the game so far. There's really no other way to describe it. Uh, one step forward, two steps back, tripping over their own feet. You know, dealer's choice as far as what you want to use to uh, to kind of break down what's happening. But Hey, all things considered, the Mets are lucky to be in the position they're in. Uh, if not for their, you know, top five starting rotation and top three bullpen uh, of both uh, MLB ranks, you know, this team could really have found themselves barely treading water as they uh, they head home to face the Diamondbacks this weekend. Uh, as the cookie has crumbled, the Mets are uh, at 500, and thanks to MLB parity, they're uh, within a good night of first place in the National League East. That's a blessing in itself. The, the players, you know, uh, we should note a lot went on this week since we uh, since we last talked. Uh, the players really didn't publicly take kindly to the organization's decision to part ways with hitting coaches Chili Davis and Tom Slater uh, after Monday's game against the Cardinals. That's to be expected, but, um, you know, by all accounts, the players absolutely adored Chili, uh, you know, these, I guess it's a part of the game. We don't know what goes on in that clubhouse, which we'll talk about a little more in depth in a little while. But, um, you know, with the glaring issues with runners on on base so far, uh, a large portion of the lineup under, uh, underperforming at the plate, you know, a change very well may have had to be made. Uh, we'll likely never know what happened behind closed doors or how the front office came to the decision that they came to to make this move. And, nor should we. Uh, we don't know a quarter of what happens behind the scenes, and that's exactly how it's supposed to be. Uh, whether Donnie Stevenson, who's conspicuously disappeared in recent days, uh, aside from, uh, I guess, our buddy Athlete Logos, Donnie Stevenson hitting approach coach t-shirt, uh, popping up on Pete Alonzo's personal merchandise website, uh, Brandon Nemo and Taiwan Walker were wearing it during their media availability sessions on Thursday. Uh, so, again, it's tough to say what the uh, the character, whatever, whoever Donnie Stevenson is, uh, had to do with how this all went down. But, um, you know, it must have made for an awkward situation for Chili and, and Tom Slater as his guys are, uh, you know, giving credit to their turnaround at the plate to a, uh, a fictional character or whatever it is. Uh, but, again, we don't know much about how that went down and, and we likely never will. Uh, under the previous ownership management, you know, the organization probably worried a little too much about fan sentiment. Um, if you're running a show of this size, you know, your vision for the future really can't and shouldn't be, uh, you know, it shouldn't be deterred by the fan base or how they feel or what they're saying. Should you take it into account? Sure, of course. But making moves at the whim of the fans is, uh, it's just not a feasible course of action. Um, and sure, yeah, the fans were, were definitely calling for Chili's job loud and clear, and the order eventually came down. But, you know, this may have simply been the right move for the organization at the time. Uh, gripes aside, you know, Chili Davis himself admitted in recent weeks that he, he's still learning the, the very subtle art of transforming data into coachable lessons to convey to his players. Um, that's really not the direction that the Mets are headed as a franchise. Um, 
as evidenced by the front office overhaul, um, you know, with, a, I guess, an analytically minded approach kind of leading the way in that respect. You know, take Jeremy Hafner's hire last year, for example. Uh, his ability to act as a, a seamless conduit between the analytics department and the players, it made him the ideal hire at a time when the organization was really only inches into this miles-long trek that they're, uh, that they're currently on towards, you know, catching up with the rest of the game. Um, and now, like, as that effort's been pushed into hyperdrive with all the new hires and the new direction, you know, those seeds are really sprouting. Um, the Mets came into Thursday, I think, the fourth best team ERA in baseball is a 3.22, uh, second most wins above replacement per fan graphs. Uh, again, this is an entire staff, starters and bullpen. The fourth, more, uh, fourth most strikeouts per nine innings, second least home runs allowed per nine innings. You know, the, the, the strides that this group has taken, um, you know, it's a talented group, but I think the, the leadership that um, Hefner and Ricardo and Ricky Meinhold have kind of brought to this group, you know, it speaks volumes, the, um, the start that the, the whole staff has gotten off to. Um, you know, and you'd have to guess that Taiwan Walker's out, excuse me, outstanding outing on Thursday uh, boosted those metrics. Um, you know, Paul DeYoung reaching on an error in the second following Nolan Arenado's uh, base hit. It's the last base run of the Cardinals put on against Walker. He retired the last 18 batters he faced. Uh, struck out eight, walked none. He lowered his season ERA to 2.38. Like, those are the types of performances that the Mets have really, you know, counted on and leaned on over the first month of the season. And thank goodness that, you know, the rotation, even like a, you know, this is a mismatched rotation. This isn't the rotation that the front office put together. Um, they've gone above and beyond doing their job. We'll get into the bullpen a little bit shortly, but uh, really, uh, if the offense was clicking, it, just like we said, the Mets could find themselves a few games back, kind of looking up at the rest of the division. In the same regard, they could really be looking down at everyone else if everything kind of broke their way. But, you know, it didn't. Um, as far as Taiwan Walker and guys like David Peterson and even Marcus Stroman, who, again, we had very high hopes for him. But, you know, to a lot of people, he was a question mark. He missed last season. Um, there's been inconsistency in in what he's brought in, in recent years. I mean, you could look deeper into it and say, oh, well, he was hurt in, in this season and you know, it took him a couple of starts to get used to pitching in New York. And then I think after three or four starts, he was absolutely lights out down the stretch in 2019. But I mean, you know, once Carlos Carrasco, who's eligible to come off the injured list now on May 28th, he was placed on a 60 day IL on Thursday, I guess, presumably, presumably <laughs> to give the Mets a little more uh, 40 man roster flexibility. Uh, and Noah Syndergaard, who's eligible to return off the IL on the same day, once they're back, you know, this is a formidable bunch. We've said it before. When Taiwan Walker's your fifth starter, it's safe to say you're in pretty good shape. Um, the bullpen, like we said, been outstanding. Uh, Jerry's Familia, of all people, uh, leads the way. He's got a 1.13 ERA over his first 10 appearances. Uh, Trevor May, who struggled a little bit out of the gate, but uh, as we heard on, on Thursday, uh, lobbied Luis Rojas to continue leaning on him to let him kind of work himself out of the little funk. And it was, again, it was just his first couple of appearances. But, um, 
you know, he entered Thursday with a 1.7 point, uh, excuse me, 1.74 ERA, uh, scoreless inning of work, and uh, now has that down to 1.59 on the year. Uh, Aaron Loop hasn't allowed an earned run this season. Uh, his left on base percentage is third on the team among relief pitchers with at least five innings pitched. You know, that's going to work out just fine. Uh, Edwin Diaz, who came back to action uh, after having some back issues early in the week and ran into a little trouble on Thursday, but, you know, nothing crazy, no harm, no foul. You know, him and Miguel Castro, they're a, a high-velocity dual threat with this type of capable depth behind them in guys like May and Familia. And, you know, Familia really, heading into the year, we had no idea if he was going to be able to be counted on in, in big spots. Um, during the spring, he walked a bunch of guys, but boy, just like a light switch, he turned it back on. And, uh, you know, I guess when the Mets brought him back ahead of the 2019 season, 2018 season, 2019 season, um, you know, they, uh, <laughs> I guess this is what they had in mind and his stuff's always been there, but you know, he's putting it all together, which again, really could be a feather in the cap for Jeremy Hefner and crew to, um, to kind of get him back on track. And it's, uh, you know, it's been nice to see. Hopefully that sticks. But um, with this type of death behind them and the group's ability to kind of approach their deployment with versatility, and you look at Miguel Castro opening in Wednesday's nightcap, you know, there's a lot of potential for continued dominance. And, you know, that kind of brings us over to the offense, which is coming dribs and drabs. But we'll take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors and we're going to jump into that whole Rubik's Cube once we come back. Hang tight. So, over the Mets' first three games of the series versus the Cardinals, which was one win and two losses, they stranded 20 men going 6-for-23 with runners in scoring position. Uh, on Thursday morning, despite those numbers, the Mets did kind of find they found themselves out of the runners in scoring position basement league-wide. Uh, earlier in the week, they were in 30th last place in the league with a 68-weighted runs created plus, which is uh, 32% lower than league average. Um, so they, they actually bumped themselves up to 78 weighted runs created plus found themselves in 27th place league wide. Um, and now the nationals headed into Thursday, assuming that basement position. And, you know, we've talked about this a bunch. There's going to be ebbs and flows. Teams are going to hit grooves. Teams are going to hit slumps and, you know, there's going to be a lot of jumping around. Thankfully in the Mets case, there's a lot of time to write that ship and especially at a time when you have so many guys slumping and now you have a couple of guys on the injured list to be able to come out of this with um, a come out of this road trip respectfully, respectably, and, uh, you know, with a little bit of steam behind them, it's a great thing. So, you know, and everything that kind of happened as far as the Mets pulling themselves out of the doldrums, you know, it was an encouraging sign. Um and then then came Thursday's matinee, and the Mets kind of found themselves right back in that funk. Um, you know, heading into the eighth, and again, we talked about Taiwan Walker in the first half, just pitched outstanding. It's the best he's looked all season, and it, it only it feels like he's just looking better and better. But you know, heading into the eighth, the Mets are down two to one. At that point, they'd left thirteen men on base, one for ten with runners in scoring position. Um, to, you know, to take a page from Pete Alonso's book. That's not how you find yourself drunk on a parade float in October. It's, that's not the formula for championships. And this team is built for championships. 
You can see it in the pitching staff. You see the potential in the lineup. Um, you know, once everyone's pulling together and there's, you know, there's always going to be, uh, I guess, the potential for, and not even potential, it's going to happen. The guys are going to slump. But what we've seen over the first month where you have large portions of the whole, you know, offensive side of the roster slumping at once, um, you know, that can't continue. Maybe that's going to change with Chile out. Uh, in, in any case, it all falls on the players anyway. We heard Francisco Lindor talk about that a bunch this week, how, you know, Chile can't go out there and hit for him. It's got to be on him. And, you know, it's ultimately that's how it is. It comes down to the players performing. And these guys are professionals. It's, you know, coaches are great, but, um, you know, you're in the box by yourself. So Jeff McNeil, who's hitting 292 over his last seven games, and Lindor, who actually finished the day, snapped his 0-for-26 slump with a ninth-inning single. Way to go. He's actually reached base safely in like 16 out of his last 19 games or something like that. Um, he reached base four times on Thursday. Uh, you know, so even an 0-for-26, which he admitted after the game Thursday, was really starting to get to him. Um, you know, there's promising things to take away and it kind of got the Mets uh, started late in the game on Thursday and, and allowed them to pull away and uh, <laughs> that almost came crashing down but back to the eighth inning. Uh, so McNeil and Lindor drew walks to start the inning. Those are the ninth and tenth walks issued by the Cardinals pitches on Thursday by the way. Uh, they walked a couple of more I believe. Uh, one more later in the inning. So Conforto single to load the bases. Alonzo walked uh, another bases loaded walk to bring in uh, uh, the uh, three to one. Excuse me, to make it three to one, and uh, you know we're always going to take that. Just as we gladly accepted Dom Smith's RBI single in the next at bat, he really needed that. He's been coming around, by the way. Uh, we'll get to recent numbers, but um, you know, just the team as a whole, they needed the hit with runners in scoring position. Um, that made it a four to one game. <laughs> Again, it was almost surmountable, but it proved to be insurmountable. But in all, you know, in all honesty, this game should have been a blowout. The Mets had men on base in every inning, had multiple runners on base in the second inning, third inning, fourth and fifth. They had bases loaded with less than two outs three times. Um, they left a franchise record. They tied a franchise record. 17 men left on base on Thursday. Uh you know, wasted opportunities won't get this traveling party to where it's got to go. Uh, over the Mets seven game, um, seven game road trip. So it was three in Philly, four in St. Louis. Two of those games were seven inning games, by the way. The Mets left 62 men on base. Um, you know, <laughs> baseball IQ says, oh, that's not going to work. But again, they come home with a four and three record. Uh, you know, that's baseball, baby. <laughs> there's no other way, there's no other way to explain it. Um, you know, every a lot of people were pointing at Francisco Lindor, who, you know, he left a small army on the bases himself during his little slump. And, you know, that's okay. And, you know, the fans, as we know, um, we're a passionate bunch. And, you know, Lindor's just as hard on himself as he is, as most of us are on him. And I wasn't getting too far into that. It's only been 20 something games. But, um, you know, He's made it very clear that it's bothering him just as much as it was uh, bothering everyone else, but he snapped out of that little funk. And, um, 
I guess, you know, it, someone asked him on Thursday about the pressure that comes along with the uh, the responsibility of kind of playing up to the contract that he signed and doing it in New York after being in Cleveland. And he had a funny quote, and I'm paraphrasing, but, um, you know, he said, over 30, whatever, I think it was over 36 in Cleveland, it feels the same as over 20 something in New York. It's, it's no different. Um, so, you know, it, whatever's going on in, in his head, we're not going to sit here and question it as long as he finds his way out. We're, we're happy. And, um, you know, the Mets gave him a lot of money. Sure, there's expectations there. But, you know, you can't um, – how should I put it? You can't force these things. Either he's going to play up to his capabilities or he's not or he's going to be inconsistent. You know, I, I think the fan base pissing and moaning about it isn't going to change any of that. Um, I, I Personally, I would say just be patient and kind of let him come out of it. But, um, you know, as much as Lindor is just one part of the offense – as a, a straw that stirs the drink type of player, um, it, it had ripple effects. But, you know, again, don't count him out. He's going to come around and it's going to be amazing. Um, with Brandon Nimmo, J.D. Davis, Luis Guillorme on the shelf, you know, the world is – it's kept turning and the Mets are still above water. Uh, same as the rotation. Once the group is at full capacity again, especially if all the Pistons are firing on the offensive side, um, uh, you know what I mean. Uh, same as the rotation. If all these pistons are firing, the sky's the limit. No question. Um, Luis Rojas, he's taken a ton of heat. Um, some of it just, some of it not. But he knows this roster better than anyone. He's been a part of this organization for 14 years. Uh, he's been an instrumental part in the development of most of this core. Um, his players, you know, by all accounts, absolutely love him. They love playing for him. You know, he, he takes a lot of heat, but I, I really, truly feel like he's the man for the job. The uh, the even-keeled nature that we'd heard so much about, um, and he really seen, you know, over the last year or so, uh, it's been on full display. Uh, even when he makes a misstep, and there, there have been a few, uh, or falls victim to a tough break or a tough call, and there's been a few of those too. You know, the approach really hasn't changed. There's a lot to be said for that. And now having said that, <laughs> if things don't turn around soon, um, it's entirely conceivable that Rojas might be next on the chopping block. Of course, that's not necessarily a knock on Rojas. I just said I'm, I'm a fan of Rojas. I think he's the right guy for this job. But uh, he wasn't this new regime's pick. Um, he certainly deserves a chance. He's only managed six, 86 games uh, as the, as the, the, at the helm of the Mets. Uh, between last season and and just a portion of the year this year, um, you know personally, I'd give him at least through the season, win, lose, or draw, um, to kind of get a feel for the job. Which you know, again, he's only truly a half a season into it, so you know um, things kind of have to take hold. Those the roots don't just automatically sink into the ground; they have to grow, and, and that's happening. And of course, I think he got a. Um, it was certainly a, a, a welcome development that he already had relationships with a large portion of the roster. But, you know, new faces, brand new expectations with Steve Cohen buying the team. Um, there's a, still some things to get used to. And, I, again, I, I have full confidence that this team is behind him. I think we should be behind him. But what we what we think really doesn't matter as evidence this week. But, uh, you know – you know, they were awfully the, – the Mets, of course. They were awfully quick to kind of jettison Davis and Slater, and that's after just 23 games. Um, you just got to hope that it doesn't come to that in 
in Rojas's case. And there's, you know, there's certainly been a reason for hope, um, at least on the offensive side. Again, the pitching has been terrific. No complaints there whatsoever. You know, Pete Alonso continues to, to absolutely mash. Uh, he's slashing 360, 467, 520 over his last seven games. Actually, you know what? I'm sorry. That was coming in to Thursday. I actually have his last seven stats right here. So over his last seven games, bah, 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 bah. nope, those were updated. I was right. Uh, 360, 467, 520. Dom Smith, we were talking about him earlier. He appears to be coming out of it. Uh, hitting 308, 357, 385 over his last 26 at-bats. Michael Conforto has been back in the groove. He's hitting 260, 403, 460 over his last 15 games. Um, even if the power hasn't really arrived yet, uh, as we've seen in the past, as Scooter goes, so does the Mets. And if if Michael Conforto is acting as the glue in the middle of this lineup or wherever <laughs> Rojas and the decision makers decide to put him, um, you know, it, it helps everybody else along. The same thing can be said for Lindor. If, if Lindor's going, everyone else is going. If Brandon Nimmo is going, everyone else is going. And, you know, like we said, considering everything that's gone down in the past month, the fact that the Mets are 13-13 and in the game out of the of the of the lead in NL East in the NL East behind the Phillies, you know it's a uh, it's a testament to what they've been able to um, to kind of put together here in just you know one short winter. But um, yeah, even looking down the bench, I mean the the sub squad or uh, the bench bench mob uh, bench mob. I, I fell asleep before that uh, before that phrase came out on 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 Wednesday night. So the Mets bench mob practically you know they led the team to victory on Wednesday in the nightcap. Uh, Kevin Pillar, who was in center field for Nimmo. Jonathan VR, I call him Johnny Oculus. Uh, uh, he was a shortstop for Lindor, who got the night off. And Tomas Nito, who was catching in the second game. They went a combined six for 11, two home runs, six RBI, one strikeout between all three of them. You know, this is the depth movement that the Mets were pushing for personified. You know, it should have been a spark heading into Thursday. It wasn't really, at least not on the surface, but you know, they got there. Um, Edwin Diaz bringing the tying run to the plate and Pete Alonso having Paul Goldschmidt's foul pop up, jump out of his glove. Um, <laughs> that certainly, uh, it, it left me a little uneasy. It's like, Oh shit, you know where this is going. But, um, you know, apparently times they are indeed changing. Edwin Diaz found his way out of the jam. He closed it out. And as we said, the Mets head home at 13 and 13 and right in the mix of things, a little bit of momentum behind them. Again, Lindor snapped his drought. Um, you got to think that, you know, all good signs, all very good signs. And sure, you know, the road to October will not be paved in gold. There's going to be ups and downs. We know how this movie plays. We know the script very well. Um, even for the best teams ever, there's been down stretches. And sure, you could look at, you know, the, the 2001 Mariners win 116 games. Uh, you know, they, they limited their down stretches, but that's really the key is limiting the down times. And, um, you know, the Mets haven't gone on these, these prolonged losing streaks. They've been able to kind of nip them in the bud, lose three in a row, win two in a row. Um, you just kind of got to hope that they're able to, uh, to kind of put it all together and, you know, let's reel off 10 out of 11. Let's reel off 13 out of 15 and, uh, put a little space between us and the rest of the division. Um, 
At least you got to hope that's what they're thinking. Uh, so the Mets head home. They got a three-game set with the Diamondbacks this weekend. Um, and then they welcome in Matt Harvey. He's, te- he's tentatively scheduled to pitch uh, with the Orioles. Um, coming in for a two-game series on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, and, of course, Jacob deGrom, after experiencing some right-side tightness, he, he missed his start on Tuesday. It was rained out anyway. But uh, he's expected back this weekend. So, hey, let's keep this mother rolling. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Uh, LFGM, you know where to find us. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you Monday. Yeah!